All right. Uh, let's see here. I'm, I'm going to use two passages this morning to share from. Uh, one is going to be Hosea 10, 12, and the other is going to be Mark 5, starting with verse 21. And uh, from appearance, they don't go together, but I believe they actually do go together <laughs> for what the Lord's laid on my heart, okay? I think we're in a unique season, obviously, with everything that's going on. And the Lord's giving us opportunity to see Him move. The Lord's giving us opportunity for a reset. And, and the Lord's really just giving us an opportunity to start over as, as a church and as a Christian people. And the Lord slowed us down. You know, Dan Bohai says that you got to slow down to catch up with God. <laughs> and, and the Lord has slowed us down so, to, to where we could actually begin to hear His voice again and follow Him rather than get caught up in the mechanics of church and the mechanics of religion, which is gross, if we're really honest. And so, so that's kind of my heart. And anyway, I'm going to read Hosea 10, 12, and then I'm going to read several, a large passage from Mark, and I'll just take off and go. And the Lord's going to help me this morning with the time. All right, Hosea 10, 12. Sow with a view to righteousness, reap in accordance with kindness, Break up your fallow ground. That phrase in particular is, I think, really important. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until He comes to rain righteousness on you. It is time to seek the Lord until He comes to rain righteousness on you. This says that He is going to rain righteousness on us. We just need to seek Him until it happens. So I think that's beautiful. Now look at Mark 5. Familiar story probably to many of you familiar story to many of you. It's a story of Jairus. I'm going to skip the middle part, okay? I'll paraphrase the middle part, but verse uh, five, chapter 5, verse 21, it says, when Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him, and he stayed by the seashore, and one of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up, and on seeing him, fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Please come, lay hands on her so that she will get well and live. And he went off with him, and a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. Now, the next part actually has the woman with the issue of bleeding comes, and she interrupts Jairus' miracle. Like, and I think there is something significant to be said about that. You're praying for breakthrough. You're praying the Lord moves, and, and you feel like it's... it's, it's you feel like it's your turn, and then something happens, and, and nothing, something happens in someone else's life, and nothing happened in your life, and you have the opportunity to decide how you're going to respond in that moment. You can get mad and ticked off and pout and run away from the Lord, or you can be like, you know what? I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to keep staying right around here. I'm going to keep lingering in His presence because He gave His word that He was going to move in this situation and I believe He's going to actually do it. And I promise you that, let me I say I promise you, I know a lot of times we forfeit miracles and breakthroughs because we're not patient enough to wait when the Lord's moving in someone else's life or we get jealous and angry and we can't celebrate what the Lord does for someone else and when we can't do that, we forfeit what He wants to do in our own life. Okay, so, so he, he, he doesn't leave, 
All right, he doesn't leave, he stays there. But I can tell you this, like, like I've been at line at McDonald's where they have the double drive through lane, right? And I've ordered my food and I pay attention to who gets there first. And I have mumbled words under my breath many a times when the car that I know took their order after me pulls in front of me. That's what's going on in this story, okay? I just want to point that out. Like, if we don't understand, that's what's going on in this story. So, so it's like, bless them, Jesus. And please don't let them mess up my order, right? Since they went out of order. Anyway, while he was, he, he stayed in line. He stayed there. But while he was still speaking, they came from the house of the synagogue officials saying, your daughter's died. So not only, not only did his miracle get interrupted, his situation got much worse while he was waiting. And beloved, a lot of times when we're waiting on the Lord to move, the situation appears to be getting worse. And we're wondering what in the world's going on, but I can assure you that Jesus is still moving whether we see it or not. Your daughter's died. Why trouble him anymore? But Jesus, overhearing what was spoken, and by the way, the word overhearing means he ignored what they said. You know, if you sometimes you get voices in your life that say negative stuff all the time and just speak death, speak, just ignore what they're saying. Just, just don't even listen to that. You want to listen to people that speak life, okay? You want to, I want to be around people that are hopeful. I don't want to hear someone say, well, it's just, it is what it is. And it, by the way, anytime someone says it is what it is, it's never a good thing, right? We never say it is what it is when it's a good thing. We always say it is what it is when what we're really saying is this situation sucks and it's not going to get any better. It is what it is. But Jesus, overhearing what was being spoken, said, Don't be afraid any longer, only believe. And he allowed no one to accompany him except for Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the synagogue official and he saw a commotion, people weeping loudly and wailing. So they they paid people to cry and be like, This is terrible. She's dead. The situation's hopeless. That's what's going on right here. This is awful. And so Jesus comes and he sees all these fake people uh, uh, weeping and wailing. They wouldn't even have known her. And then those that knew knew her, they were participating in this. And Jesus comes and, and he said, why make a commotion and weep? This child's not dead. She's only sleeping. And they began laughing at him. Bad idea, by the way. But putting them all out, that's one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. But putting them all out, he took the child's father and mother and his own companions in the room where the child was. He's like, you all that's weeping and wailing that don't believe that she's going to let get out. And I hate to say this, but some, sometimes the best thing that you can do is just wipe your hands clean of the voices that speak death and negativity and pessimism into your life and run with people that's going to build you up rather than tear you down. It's the truth. And, it's, and there's been many a people where I've had to distance myself with because they were, and I'm sure people have done it to me as well, when I was going through seasons of just being negative and pessimistic. It's just what it is. But, but do not surround yourself with those voices. Surround yourself with a family, a revival family, that's going to lift you up and edify you. 
All right? Taking the child by the hand, he said to her, <laughs> get up. So he enters in the room and says, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk, for she was 12 years old, and immediately they were completely astounded, and he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this, and he said something should be given to her to eat. And, and I, I, every time I read this passage and preach this passage, I say the same cheesy joke, but there's a lot of truth to it. Jesus cared about this little girl so much that he was aware that she needed a peanut butter sandwich after he raised her from the dead. And, and so not only does he want to take care of your big needs, he wants to take care of your small ones as well. And so, uh, by the way, when, if you ever say this, I will correct you. I promise you this. If you ever say, well, I don't really need prayer for this because everyone else has much bigger problems than I have. If you ever say anything like that whatsoever, I will stop you in, her, in your tracks because he cares about every single detail of your life. Okay, so anyway, all right, so, so, so there's the story, or there's the two passages, Isaiah 10, 12, about breaking up the fallow ground, and Mark 5. Now, how do they relate? Well, this is what I believe that the Lord's doing in this. Now, now we need to understand the context of what happened to Jairus. First of all, Jairus, he was a synagogue official. Jairus, was, Jairus had obtained the highest position that he possibly could have obtained. He was the one in charge of keeping the church clean and the one that was in charge of basically making the order of the church service up. That's what he, I mean, I'm really paraphrasing what he did, but that's what he was responsible for. His position was a, a position of prestige, a position of influence, a position of power. He had it all. And he says, this thing that I have given my life to is no longer working. I need to come out of this thing and get to Jesus's feet. Many of us have given our lives, and we may not have positions of influence and power and all those types of things, but many of us have given our lives to systems, and many of us have given our lives to things that we thought that this is what I need to do in order to cope and to get by or to climb a ladder, however you want to look at it. And we've given our lives to systems. And I believe the Lord in this hour is like, would you just leave those things behind and would you just fall at my feet once more? Now, there's a lot of pastors that I think that's a word for it. That's actually part of what I was going to share if we had done our Kingdom Pastors Conference. Because there's a lot of ministers that have given their life to a religious system, trying to climb a ladder and trying to keep churchy people happy, which is really, really hard to do. And that system only leads people to death. The only thing that is life-giving is if we create an atmosphere or an environment or host and steward an environment where people can come to Jesus' feet. And so when when Jairus, when Jairus fell at Jesus' feet, you know what he was doing? He it was essentially signing his resignation letter. I guarantee someone was writing a pink slip for him the moment he got to his feet. And so Jairus is like, look, my little girl's in need. And I've been faithful serving. I've been faithful doing this. I've been doing that. I have everything that I possibly need in life. 
but it's not working anymore. And beloved, whether it's, whether it's church or religion or whether it's just things that we use to cope with, those things will not fill the hole that we have. The only answer is saying, you know what? I'm signing my resignation letter from this thing that I've given my life to, this thing that has control of me. I'm getting to its feet and it does not matter what's going on. It does not matter what anyone thinks or says I'm going to do it. And by the way, that's what's so significant about coming forward in a group of people because you are making a declaration in a crowd of people. Jairus could have been like, I'm going to sneak like Nicodemus did in the night, right? Nicodemus went and sought Jesus in the night in hiding. Jairus is like in a crowd. He came out of the crowd. A lot of us need to come out of the crowd of religion and a lot of us need to come out of the crowd of whatever it is that we're messing with and say, you know what? It's no longer working. He has everything that I need. Hmm. Oh. I'll probably, let me just, I'll, I'll probably talk about it from the point of view of, of, of church, usual church, because I don't think there's anything usual about this place. I may be biased. I am biased. But I really do believe his presence is the most important person here. Right? And if people don't like it, go back to where you were. That's okay. Like, that's how I feel. I just want the Lord to be honored in this house. Now, at what point do you have to get to to say, what I've given my life to is not working? Like, like, you, you'd have to be pretty, like, it's just, you'd have to be pretty broken up about what's going on. I don't know if he considered the cost. I doubt he actually even considered the cost when he came out of the crowd. He probably is just like, I, I'm, 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 my girl needs him. So what does that mean for us? I think that in this hour we're, the, the word that I use and been writing through the last two years on this passage, I have a lot on this, but I'll, I'll give you the cliff notes today. The phrase we've been using is systemic exodus, or I've been using, meaning that the system that I've given my life to, for me, practically, it was my encounter that happened in 2012, where I was trying to be a man of a system and climb a denominational ladder, and was on the fast track, really, to climb a denominational ladder, and, and saying, you know what, that's not working. I feel empty and hollow, and I'm not seeing any transformation in the people that I pastor. And the people that we were getting were people from other churches. And, they, and really what it was is, and it wasn't even that we were doing a good job. I'm trying to be careful here. We were doing a good job in some areas, but a lot of the people that we were growing by is because they got mad at the church down the street. And I promise you in a year and a half, whatever, they were probably going to do the exact same thing at our place. feel the emails coming now by the way and I had that encounter with Jesus and said you know what it, a true story by the way I used to actually write like write manuscripts for sermons and 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 not that there's anything wrong with it but I, I had over a hundred manuscripts that I had written that I had never preached and then when I felt like it was time to preach him, I'd pull it out of the file and I would preach that manuscript. I'd memorize it and preach it. I had that encounter with the Lord in 2012. And the Lord said, the system that you've given yourself to is dead. I want you to begin to trust me that I'm going to give you what to teach. 
and preach. And so rather than trying to come up with good ideas, being like, that'll preach, or seeing some example, I can turn that into a sermon. I don't do that anymore. What I share now is out of the overflow of my devotional life with Jesus, okay? And so I was like, okay, delete, 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 and deleted all those. I don't have a clue what they are. I don't have a clue what they were. The Lord, like, erased that from my memory <laughs> to where I began to trust him. And so, so what I'm saying is, is that the system I had given myself to no longer worked. We come here, and we're like, if we're going to start a church, we're going to go after God. And, and that has changed over the last four years. It's, it's, we've just, it's just looks very different, but I think it's very organic in the way that we're doing what we feel like the Lord has asked us to do. And so we're being invited into this exodus. And so what does that look like? Well, truth be told, the world around us is dying right now. Families are in shambles. People's sense of self-worth is just really non-existent. Like people just don't even like themselves. And, 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 and social media perpetuates it in that, like, I mean, like, I, I can't tell you how many times I've, like, taken a selfie and I've taken, like, 15 pictures before I got the one that I looked skinny enough in the, to post. Like, it's, it's like, I don't, I don't like the way I look in that. Like, people, we, everything around us is designed to make people feel insecure and not enough. And I think we need to leave that system behind because Jesus paid a high price for each and every one of us. And if I leave, if I leave the system of this world and say, you know what, you guys go ahead and you wrestle with those things. You go ahead. If you want to feel that way, you, that's fine. I'm not going to do that because he calls me beloved. And I'm going to begin to walk this stuff out with him. Like, I think we need to begin to leave that if that, if that makes sense to you. Now, now, we need to change what we give our lives to, if that's the case. If it's like, you know what, I'm going to come out of this thing. Jairus, when he came out of that crowd and he signed his resignation letter or given his pink slip, I, I, I have to believe that he said, what I've given my life to is no longer working. I want to give my life to something different. And so for those of us, that, like those that came forward this morning, like, like the thing that you gave your life to before was probably yourself. And now you've given your life to Jesus, and so now you go after Jesus all the days of your life. Okay, that, that's what I'm talking about. It's like I'm leaving the system of living for myself, and now I'm entering into this intimate, personal, living and active and dynamic, intimate relationship with Christ Jesus, and I'm going to walk with him all the days of my life. Like that's what we're being invited into. And in this hour, this is what the Lord is inviting his church into. He's like, look, it, it, he's like, it's no longer going to be about big productions. It's no longer going to be about all this type of stuff. It's no longer going to be about all the flash. What it's going to be about is walking with him. And he's given us this opportunity to do this. And so, so it's like, well, what do I need to do to change our lives? That was like the longest introduction ever. <laughs> but, but the rest of it's not nearly as long. Because <laughs> it's one thing to give the problem, but it's a whole other thing to actually give the prescription. Okay? And, and, and I don't want to be someone that just points fingers and says, that's what's wrong. I actually want to say this is... This is what's wrong. This is the way to go. All right? So what do we need to change? Or what do we need to give our lives to? Well, that's that Hosea 10, 12. Again, sow with a view to righteousness. Reap in accordance with kindness. Break up your fallow ground. 
for it's time to seek the Lord until he comes to rain righteousness on you. All right. So, so, so Jairus did all this stuff, came out of the crowd. We've come out of the crowd. We've decided we're going after Jesus. So it's like, all right, I prayed the prayer. And this is where the church has dropped the ball. We, we try to get a bunch of people in the doors, get them to pray a prayer, and then we can like report it. And it's like, well, what do we do now? Even as I say that, I think of like how. But he's given his life to teaching people how to walk this out. So what, what, what do you do now that you've given your life to him? What do you do when you say, I'm going all in? And for those of us that have been in the church for a long time, it's like, what do we need to start saying, you know what, rather than giving myself to, and again, there's nothing wrong with some of these things, but rather than giving myself to the cantata or the potluck, I'm going to give myself to this thing. What am I giving my life to? Sowing with a view to righteousness. And so what does that mean? Well, so with a view, so means to spin, to cast, to, to, and like we're talking about sowing seed. It's, a, it's like a farming uh, illustration. But anyway, so with a view, a view means towards or among or, or to be concerned with. I'm going to live my life with the concern of righteousness. Or I'm going to live my life with a bent towards righteousness. What's righteousness? Righteousness simplistically means to, uh, uh, to be in right standing with God. It means to be innocent. And by the way, if you've given your life to Jesus, you're innocent. You no longer are guilty, right? You no longer carry guilt, shame, or condemnation. That was nailed to the cross when Jesus went to the cross. So that's no longer yours to, to, to bear. And that's why I rattle that verse all the time from Romans, that he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's not something that I put on like I put on my vest this morning. That's something that I am. And so he says, so live your life towards this idea of righteousness or towards this truth of righteousness. And so practically it looks like you've been made clean, live like you've been made clean. You've been made spotless, live like you've been made spotless. You've been made free, live like you've been made free. Like believe what he's done in your heart and live your life towards that and so to that and so to that and so to that. And so it's like every now and like the, the devil, like he'll say stuff to me of, of my past mistakes and I'll try to, uh, I'll start to believe those lies I was like no 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 no. that's not who he made me and that's not who I am that guy was dead and crucified 13 years ago with Christ Jesus that's no longer applicable to my life I want to give my life to this righteousness stuff because that's actually who I am right now like it says Michael Perkins the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus that's the first thing on my resume it's the first thing on yours as well and probably right there next to it says son or daughter, whichever gender you are, son or daughter, righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's who you are. And so he says, so and live your life according to that. And then if you do that, you're going to reap in accordance with kindness. Kindness means that, 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 that as you start to believe this, it doesn't mean that your life's going to be rainbows, unicorns, and Skittles. It doesn't mean that whatsoever. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But you'll reap in accordance to the kindness of God, which means the loyal love of God. So even though if I walk through hell, He's promised to walk with me, right? 
and, and the only way I believe that he's with me is if I'm living and, and believing the things that he said about me and I don't believe the lies of the devil and I walk with him and as I walk with him, he demonstrates his loyal love he demonstrates his loyal love and he demonstrates his favor towards me. And the favor of God is nothing else. I believe that the favor of the Lord is just me being aware that the Lord is with me and the Lord desires to move on my behalf as long as it lines up according to his word. So for the exit the system, it starts with us sowing to righteousness and beginning to understand the kindness of God. And Jairus, he came to Jesus' feet because he knew there was no alternative and he knew there was no breakthrough in what he was doing. He knew there was no fruit in what he was doing. And so he says, you know what? I'm going to give myself to his feet because maybe if I get to his feet, he'll show his kindness to me. Maybe he'll demonstrate his loyal love to me. I think that's why the Lord prompted that last little call is that... I said some, and I'll have to go back and listen to it. I won't do it, but, but in order to quote it right. But I said something along the lines of that some of us are waiting for God to move and the Lord's waiting for us to take that step towards Him. And what if Jairus had just been like, I'm in the crowd maybe Jesus will make eye contact with me. Right? right? We do stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> we do. Like, like, and especially like in this setting, like sometimes we want people's attention, and so we'll stand off in the periphery, and you're like, maybe they'll make eye contact with me, and they know they want to talk, right? Like, and don't act like you've never done it, because I know you all have. <laughs> As I, I've seen you do it. I'm just saying, I've done it. So anyway, so, so Jairus, he wasn't like, oh, maybe Jesus will see me. He steps out. And when he steps out, he discovers how kind Jesus is. He discovers the loyal, the passion translates that as the loyal love of God. Not just the love of God, the loyal. And not loyalty by human means, but the agape type of loyalty where he's determined to respond in a certain way. And he says, no matter, I'm going to love no matter what. That's what agape is. I mean, it's, it's, it's not based on feelings. It's not, it's, I'm just determined to do this because this is who I am. This is my heart, my character, and my nature. And the moment we decide to give ourselves to him and stay right there at his feet and linger there, even if it takes longer, even if it takes longer than we thought it was going to take, even if it takes longer, then it's like, it's like, Jesus, my situation is getting worse any day now, right? I mean, like, like, I don't know if you ever prayed like that before. It's like, come on, God, it's, it's getting kind of bad, as if he doesn't, didn't know that anyway, right? But, but as the situation is getting worse, we linger there. We stay there at his feet. We stay in that posture of intimacy and devotion unto him, and, and, and eventually he moves. Now, it's like, I really wish he'd be like, hang on, I promised Michael I was going to take care of this first, right? Like when the lady came and interrupted, it'd been like, you know, or, or it'd been nice if she's been like, you know, hold your horses, I'm taking care of this. Like, so when those situations come, we can just be like, all right, it's taken longer than I thought. But that sun's about to bust forth, Right? It's taken longer than I thought. 
But he's about to enter into that room. And he's about to grab that dead situation by the hand. And he's about to say, get up. He's about to say, get up. You see, that's, that's what we begin to discover as we say, you know what? I'm going to give my life to this righteousness thing. Now, you can't do that. You can't do that if you think God's mad at you. You can't do that if you think God doesn't like you. Most of y'all is okay with the fact that God loves you. But most of y'all probably struggle, or a lot of us have struggled with the idea that he actually likes you. Because we equate him to someone we've seen on the earth. And our view of God ought to be based on what we see in the life and character of Jesus because Hebrews says that he is the exact representation of the Father. And so that's, that's our thing. All right. Man, Jesus. I'm probably going to have to come back and touch this stuff again. So personal and corporate revival. So then while I'm lingering there and waiting... I come to this point where I've got to break up some fallow ground. He says, break your fallow ground for it's time to seek the Lord until he comes to rain righteousness on you. Break means to plow for the first time. Many of us, the Lord's going to begin to ask you to do things that you've never done and you're going to have to do it for the first time. You can't, listen, you can't live a life of faithfulness to God or a life of devotion to God unless you do it for the first time. <laughs> like, like, you can't have a great prayer life with God unless you pray for the first time. You can't have a great devotional life unless you do a devotion unto the Lord for the first time. Like, many of us, we're going to have to do things for the first time. Many of us, you're going to have to, let me phrase it like this. Some of us, we're going to have to learn how to have, some of us that have been in the church for a while, we're going to have to learn to do things for the first time and say, you know what, I've done it this way forever, but I feel like God's wanting me to do something a little bit different. And so I'm going to have to take that step. And you're going to have to be willing to break up that fallow ground. And so, like, for us, when we started this church almost four years ago in this shopping center, it was like there was no, there was no Holy Spirit it here it was it was death and loss and destruction in this area and so it's been four years of of breaking up fallow ground now we've expedited that process since we've started praying more and more and more in our prayer room that we're breaking up more and more fallow ground fallow ground it's it's ground that's hard it's ground that's rocky it's ground that's never been tilled or it was tilled at such a long time ago that it looks like it's never been tilled before so like right now, I think America looks like fallow ground because in the first great awakening, the Lord moved. Second great awakening, the Lord moved, right? The Lord moved. Azusa Street, the Lord moved. Like there's been moves of God, but because of what's happened and because of lack of staying at his feet, the ground is hardened once again. Now, what's fallow? It means hard. It, it means unplowed. It means virgin soil. It means hard to break up. And so, so practically, practically, it means that we need to break up our routines. I believe the Lord's calling us to break up our routines. I believe the Lord's calling us to break up cycles of dysfunction. And that phrase means something different from probably every person in this room. But m m most dysfunction looks like this. I have a moment. I have a moment in time. 
and then I go in this cycle, and then I get a little bit free, things are going really good, things are going really good, something bad happens, I start drifting, start drifting, start drifting, repeat the process again. That's most dysfunction. What if, what if the Lord could come and go, I get breakthrough, I get breakthrough, I get breakthrough, I'm walking out, I'm doing pretty good, I'm doing pretty good, doing pretty good. Something happens, and the Lord reminds me because I've stayed in this lifestyle of living at His feet. He reminds me of His goodness, and He reminds me of His kindness. And even though it's hard right here, He brings me back to this place where I first encountered Him or where I had that breakthrough with Him. And because I remember that thing, I'm going to be like, God, you did it once, you can do it again. God, you touched me once, you can do it again. God, you helped me once, you can do it again. God, you showed yourself faithful, you can do it again. Or wait, what, what, if, he's, what if something's happening in my life that's never happened before? Well, okay, well, God, I saw you move in Brett Wright's life right here, and now I'm starting to experience the same thing. Oh, wait, you were faithful in Brett's life, and we're saved by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, and we don't love our life so much that we shrink back from death. God, you did it for Brett. I'm going to live right there and believe that Brett's miracle was permission for me to believe in a miracle in my own life. That's why this is so important. That's why this is so, so important. And so we need to break up those cycles of dysfunction. Like I, I'm, I'm hoping and praying the things that we... Listen, there's grace. We talk about that all the time. But I'm hoping and praying that the breakthroughs people got during worship this morning, I'm praying you don't wrestle with that junk anymore, man. That, that the Lord, He's come and He breaks it off. I'm praying that, 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 that whatever issues that people struggled with and they think is generational, my grandfather wrestled, my mom wrestled, my dad wrestled, so therefore I wrestle. We say no, that gets broken off and that's no longer who you are. Who you are is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what I'm going to to sow and give my life to i tell you what if i've ever preached a holiness message this is it right here and i'm i'm sorry that this isn't taught anymore it's not we've taught it's okay it's gonna be all right but just try a little harder or that's your lot in life, and God's good, and, 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 and one day you'll get to go to heaven, and it'll be all great then. It's like, I, I get that, but man, the gospel teaches that I can be set free, and I want to live into that freedom. And not only do I want to live in that freedom, even when I wrestle, I still want to believe that that freedom is available. Now, there's some of us that we're going to have to not only break up fallow ground of, of ground that's never been tilled before, but some of us are going to have to go back and break up fallow ground that used to be fertile ground that we farmed and we did lots of wonderful things with but because we devotionally drifted. And I'm not talking about Beth Moore devotion. I'm talking about a life of devotion to God. When I use that phrase, when I, I, I've drifted, I've did this, that, or the other. And some of us, we're going to have to go back to that place and break up that fallow ground. Now, now, uh, Genesis 26, this will be the last verse I read today, I believe. Genesis 26, 18 says that, Then Isaac dug up the wells again of water which had been dug in the days of his father Abraham. For the Philistines had stopped, up the, stopped them up after the death of Abraham, and he gave them the same names which his father had given them. Some of us, we need, like, let me say, some of us, we need to get back to where we first encountered God. We need to go back to that place of devotion. But I'll tell you this, in the church, and this is what I believe that we're doing, we need to redig 
dig those grounds or we need to break up the fallow ground of prayer and fasting and reading the Word and intimacy with Christ Jesus and going all in and saying, you know what, I'm going to live in community and family with one another. I'm not doing this thing alone. Um, We need to break up the fallow ground of Sunday morning only Christianity where we have 45 minutes and $20 in a plate and we think that we're okay when the world's going to hell in a handbasket. We need to break up that fallow ground, man. We need to break up the fallow ground of wholehearted surrender. We need to break up the fallow ground where if there's a need, we begin to meet that need. We need to break up the fallow ground where we say signs and wonders and miracles, it only happened with the apostles in the book of Acts. And we need to say no, that the same Spirit that quickened, the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the grave, that same Spirit now quickens my mortal body. And if that's the case, all bets are off. Like We need to go back to what the early church actually believed. And I believe he's calling us to break up this fallow, impotent gospel that we have believed. (laughs) And the result is revival. The the result is revival. And it's like, well, Michael, that seems extreme. Or, Michael, you're eccentric or you're weird. And and, and, and and, and I almost said, you you know, you look like a crazy person. And and I don't have the big giant beard today. You know, first time in several years. But I still got my crazy eyes, whatever. But but I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. It doesn't matter what they say. What matters is giving our life to this thing. And and I believe the Lord is calling His church church to wholehearted devotion and surrender he's giving us that opportunity and and the only way the only way we're going to see revival is if we break up this fallow ground we sow to righteousness and we seek god until he rains righteousness down on us until he rains righteousness down on us and so what does that look like it means just keep being faithful let me tell you what, like, I think it's, this may just be me, I think it's super easy to be a Christian in this room on Sunday mornings. <laughs> it's super easy to love Jesus on Mondays and Wednesdays and Saturdays in this building. But what about the days that we're not here? I don't say that to be mean, I just think this is what the Lord's inviting us into. Because this, like, like Christianity, it, it wasn't, listen, it is so much more than just getting a certificate of membership to a club. It's so much, like, seriously, it's so much more than that. It's a lifestyle of devoting ourselves to Him. And as I devote myself to Him, my life gets transformed. And it's not about me trying harder. It's about me learning to love Him more. And it's about me learning to receive the love of Him more. That's what it's all about. It's about walking in daily communion and covenant with Him. And so I think we need to leave the system behind. And what we'll see is this. I promise you this. This is what we'll see. And we're actually seeing this because we've talked about it a few times. One of two things will happen is that to those that don't have ears to hear, it'll be offensive. But those that do, it'll be the most beautiful invitation they ever receive. And if I can be fully transparent... If I can, it's okay. If I can be fully transparent, 
probably one of my biggest struggles is, is that when others don't see the value in what's happening, a fence rises up. Like, pop. Papa Michael, like, just wants to go wring someone's neck. Like, that's what I feel like. Like, you don't, you're not here. You don't know what's going on. And the Lord hadn't given them ears to hear yet. It's okay. But you know how I think people will get ears to hear? If I keep breaking up this hard and fallow ground. And you know what? It's not, it's not going to be fair. It's not going to be fair because those that come in after us, they're going to start so much further ahead than we did. It's not going to, it's not going to be fair. It, it's just like the parable when Jesus had the workers, or the parable of the workers that some of them started in the morning, some in the afternoon, some in the evening, and they all got paid the exact same thing. And the ones that worked longer were upset and offended because the ones that only worked for a short while got the full day's worth of wages. We've got to be okay with that. <laughs> the only way you're okay with that is if you keep sowing the righteousness and breaking up that fallow ground. The only way that you're okay with it is if you say, you know what? The only way someone else is going to see that whether it's religion or whether it's just life, the only way people's going to see that the thing that they've given their life to is not fruitful is if I fall at his feet and I stay there. Even when someone else comes and tugs on the hem of his robe, power goes out from him. They get a blessing. They get touched. And I'm still here waiting. Because my situation's standing there. And those in my life are actually saying it's getting worse. It, it went from bad to dead to, 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 to terrible. Only, the only way they see it is if I do this. For me personally, I'm just going to, as a pastor, I feel like, like I, I feel like I, I'm becoming more and more aware of what my own call is. For me, what I feel like a defining call in my life and our church's life is to be the ones that say, we're going we're gonna to do this hard thing right here. And we're going to be faithful to it. Even if it's the only thing that I ever get to do. Even if it's the only thing I ever get to do. Even if it means that no one ever knows the name of this church. Even if it means that my name's not written in history books. Like Finney and Rizie and Phoebe Palmer Wigglesworth, John G. Lake, like all my heroes. If I keep giving myself to this thing right here, I may not be known by men, but I'm going to be known by hell, just like Paul was. And in particular, I'm going to be known by heaven. And then when it comes time and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. 
Peter runs over and says, what'd he do? What'd he do? Jesus is like, oh, he was faithful. He broke up fallow ground. He sowed to righteousness when it was impossible to sow to righteousness. He did the hard thing when everyone else around him thought that he was crazy for doing what he's doing. He decided to live a life of purity. He decided to live a life of just a Christian life when those around him was not living that way. That's what he did, Pete. I think he probably calls him Pete. That's just me. But So I just, yeah. You guys have already came forward today once. You don't have to do that now. This is what I want to invite us into. I just want you to respond yes to saying, you know what, I'm going to do the hard things in my life. I'm not going to hide from them. We got this thing at my job at Amazon that, like, apparently, and I guess it's been so long since I've done, like, stuff like this that I forgot that, that night shift and day shift are supposed to not get along. And so, like, night shift's always mad because day shift didn't do something. And then day shift is always mad because night shift leaves stuff for day shift to do that night shift should have done. You know what I'm saying? It's like this. It's like, it's like at my house, if the trash is full, I'm supposed to take it out. I'm not supposed to wait and leave it for my wife when she gets up. I think what the Lord's inviting us into is saying, let's just deal with this mess right here and right now, even if no one else is willing to. And that way, those that come back after us, they don't have to. Some of you, the Lord's going to ask you to begin to deal with things in your life. And what you don't understand is this. What, you're, what you deal with now means that your kids and your grandkids aren't going to have to deal with that. I don't know about you, but I want them to have it a lot better than I had. And I had it pretty good. But it starts with us being willing to answer, answer that simple call. So I'm going to pray. And in your own words, in your own heart, however you need to respond, you respond. I don't think I need to call a bunch of stuff out. I just think I just need to charge us to break it up ourselves. Whatever that fallow ground is in your life. Whatever system you need to leave. Whatever cycle dysfunction. Like I've hit it all. So Lord, I just pray. <clears throat> I pray that each and every one of us we can start over, Jesus. Lord, I say me personally. I know the fallow ground I've been called to. I know the hard things. I know the things that I could easily return to, God. But I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to. I'm not going to return to those things. And the ground that you've told me to break up, I'm going to give my life to breaking that ground up, God. I'll be faithful day in and day out. I'll be faithful day in and day out. Even when it's hard. Even when I'm misunderstood by my peers. 
Even when I'm misunderstood by my family, God, I'm going to be faithful and breaking up that fallow ground because I believe, Lord, that once that ground's broken up, that someone will be able to plant the harvest in that ground. I'm believing that if I redig that well that was dug before, that someone else will be able to drink a water from it. Lord, I said this this past week that revivals planting trees or planting a seedling and being okay that we're not the ones that get to enjoy the shade of that tree. Help us to be faithful to those things that, so that others can enjoy the fruit of our labor, God. I would pray, Lord, that for the things we've given our life to in this room, if it's money, if it's sex, if it's drugs, if it's alcohol, if it's people approval, if it's a career, if it's a job, whatever, whatever the situation is that we said, I went after that thing as hard as I possibly could. I pray we come out of that system today once and for all. We sign our resignation slip. We say, we, we, <laughs> we say we're not working there anymore. We say we're not going to live there anymore. We say we're going after you. We, we say we're coming out of that crowd and we're falling at your feet. We're going to live our life as an invitation for others to do that, Lord. So, Lord, I love you. I adore you. I thank you for what you've done in this room today, Jesus. I think it's very, very significant, God. I would pray, Lord, that when it gets hard, that those in the room don't quit. I would pray that when it gets hard, we don't get discouraged and lose hope, but that you just release a spirit of perseverance, God. So I love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the River City Hope Church podcast. To stay up to date, follow us on social media. For ways to give and more information, go to hopeforrivercity.com.